So conditioning the guest and showing genuine specific excitement for having them on the show, even if you can't do a pre-call with them, goes a long way. One other thing as well is do crazy introductions or context setting for the guests to blow their mind mm -hmm. or ask a very deep nuanced conversation about who they are right from the gate. Welcome to the Podcast Launchpad, where you'll learn the tools you need to use your podcast to be a go-to expert in your field, expand your audience, and get more clients. I'm your host, Kelly. Enjoy the show. I am so excited about this episode today because I am interviewing Brendan Kumarasamy. I chatted with Brendan on the Marketing Chat Podcast back in December, and Brendan shared such awesome insights that I just had to have him on this show to share with y'all. Brendan Kumarasamy is the founder of Master Talk. He coaches ambitious executives and entrepreneurs to become top 1% communicators in their industry. He also has a popular YouTube channel called Master Talk with the goal of providing free access to communication tools for everyone in the world. Welcome, Brendan. I am so happy you're here today. Kelly, it's great to be back. Thanks for having me. Can you tell my listeners a little about how you got into speaking and training other people to become top 1% communicators? Absolutely, Kelly. So for me, the story started in college, university. I literally studied the opposite of what I do today, which was accounting. And that's what I thought my goal was going to be in life. Crunch numbers all day, every day of the week. But what happened was while I was doing my degree there, I competed in case competitions. Think of it like professional sports for nerds. Well, the guys my age were playing football or basketball or baseball, some other sport you probably wouldn't see me playing. I did presentations competitively. That's how I learned how to speak. But then as I got older, Kelly, I started coaching a lot of the students on how to communicate ideas effectively because I wanted them to win competitions. And I accidentally developed a skill set on how to coach others on communication, which then led to my YouTube channel Master Talk because I felt a lot of the information that I was sharing with them wasn't really available for free on the internet. And here we are a few years later. And so how did you get into training executives? Yeah, so what happened with executives, Kelly, which was also an accident, when I started Master Talk, it was actually never intended to be a business at the beginning. Not because I'm some philanthropist, but more because I was already doing well financially as a as a technology consultant at IBM. That was the future. I'd kind of quit my path in accounting, landed a great high paying job at IBM, and I thought that was the focus. So Master was more just a hobby. I was making videos in my mother's basement at the time for those who have seen my first videos. Like I'm not really trying, I'm just posting once a week, yet alone thinking of this as a business. But then what happened was nine months into Master Talk, I went to Lewis House's Summit of Greatness in Columbus, Ohio. Lewis House is a famous podcaster. He's the host of the School of Greatness podcast. And I've been listening to him since I was 20 years old. So he's a big reason why I became successful in life. And I went to his event because I just wanted to meet him. And when I got there, I actually met my business partner, Vamsi Poldimetla, who's the CEO and founder of Make More Leaders. And he's the one who told me I, I could coach executives for money. And I looked at him and I said, come on, man, no one's going to pay a 23-year-old thousands of dollars. 
And he said, I'll be the first one. And he gave me my first few clients and he really believed in me. So that's how my executive coaching started. That was also an accident. But the reason I was able to coach them pretty quickly was because when I was younger, a lot of my friends went on to start technology startups. So they essentially became CEOs of their own companies. And they were just asking me to help them on how to speak. But to me, they were just college students. And it wasn't thinking that it would then lead to executive coaching later on in my career. So you are frequently a guest on podcasts and, you know, I listen to your episodes and you are just fabulous. So you have a lot of experience listening to and working with podcast hosts. So you know what makes a good host. I, I, I tend to. I, I would say out of all the guests you're probably on the show, I'm probably the mo the craziest just to rattle off. I usually don't do this, but for credibility, I will. So, yes, I've guested on over 300 podcasts, at least at least in 2022, at the very minimum. Just today I'm doing six, and yesterday I did five, but mostly because I love them. I just love doing them, right? They're just fun for me. I actually don't get a lot of business from it, funny enough. And I have really? been – Yeah, I actually don't. It's very surprising. Most of my business comes from word of mouth. So I probably get like a client every 75, 80 interviews, but that's a lot of time for one client. That is a lot of time. Yeah. Now that's really a shame because you'll hear that being a guest on podcasts is a great way to spread your message and build reputation and, you know, ideally get more clients. So that's shocking to hear. So I found the first two to be true. And by the way, other people have different experiences because my packages aren't like in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. So for other service providers, if they're selling direct to B2B and they get one client, I mean, it's so worth mm -hmm. guessing on podcast. For me, it was really for one and two, the brand and the reputation. And don't get me wrong, I have definitely gotten business and, and definitely the multiple five figures, soon six figures. But if you're comparing that relative to the number of appearances I've been on, which total in my career has definitely been at least 500 to 600, it, it's definitely not been a good use of my time. If you're just looking at it from a money perspective, but that's not the way I've always looked at it. That's why I always love saying yes to podcasts is because of the first two, brand and reputation. So let's talk about that. So the reason brand and reputation is really important to me is my thesis when I started the YouTube channel, Master Talk, was really the following, Kelly, that most people don't have in this industry. I think I'm the only one who has it, which was, how do I get to 10,000 subscribers? Really simple. Well, if I guessed on 10,000 podcasts, at least I would have 10,000 new friends. Even if nobody's listening to this, at least Kelly would be my friend and share my YouTube channel with three to five people. So my the math came out to, well, if I just do... I'm pretty nuts, as you can see, just from my logic. If I do like, I don't know, 30-minute episodes uh, for 16 hours a day, it's like 32 podcasts. And if you do that for a year, it's 10,000 podcasts. So I'll have like 30, 50,000 subscribers. And that's actually how I got the subscriber count that I have. So that's the perspective. And the other piece that's really important was it was preparation for the big gun. So I was very fortunate a few months ago to guest on Entrepreneurs on Fire, which is John Lee Dumas' yeah. podcast. But the point I want to drive that most people miss the ball on is it's not about getting the opportunity. It's about smashing it out of the water. So because I had practiced on so many podcasts, I was on like weed podcasts and sports podcasts, I was very well prepped for JLD shows to make sure that I got the ROI I was looking for for the appearance. That's true. That makes sense. Yeah. And like you said, then building your subscriber base on your YouTube channel, that is really important because then those subscribers may end up, or you know, some of them, 
then may end up working with you. And that takes time, you know, building the no like trust factor. So yeah, you may not get clients or many directly from your podcast appearances, but you want to build those long-term relationships. That's exactly why I do it, Kelly. And honestly, it's so fun for me. Like it keeps me sharp and it keeps me agile. And I always believed in this idea. This is one of my theses is, is I believe there's three components that will create the next generation of thought leaders in this era. So before it was, you know, books or your speaking engagements. I actually don't think that applies as much today. I think today it's having a dedicated YouTube channel with a strong following. I think it's being an exceptional, I'm talking like top 1% podcast guest in your industry because that's where you're listening to long form where people are building a relationship with you where people can ask you nuances that's why i love this medium so much and the third piece is writing a really successful book so that's why for me i'm really preparing myself since we're on a very podcast of podcast show my goal is to be on lewis's podcast joe rogan's lex friedman's in my 30s so this for me is not about getting business because i get a ton of business now for my executive client they just refer it's, it's easy but it's more about saying, am I preparing myself for 35-year-old Brendan? Like, I didn't think I would get on JLD's show at the age of 26. Like, that's nuts. The fact that I got in that early. I was actually surprised he said yes, if I'm being honest. But I think the point is, because I always had that long-term mindset, I was able to accelerate the time horizon of my success. And I'm still doing that today. What are some things that you see top podcast hosts doing really well on their shows? For sure. So, so let's get into it. I, I think what I would say, Kelly, is out of the 500 or 600 appearances I've been on, the top five really stand out. It's really obvious to me who those top five, like Billy Samoa is the host of Inside Out, also one of my good friends. There's a couple of nuances that I feel the best podcasters in the industry do that most other people don't do. And some of this will be subjective. So, so the goal of today, for those of you listening, is not to agree with everything I'm saying, but rather see it as a perspective and say, what's one or two things that I can implement that I'm not currently doing? So let me start with the first one, which is informal touch points prior to the show. What you'll find is when you're, when you, if you want the best guests on your show, they're often guesting on a lot of shows because they they have a lot of demand. So if you want to get Lewis Howes on your show or Tony Robbins, yeah, they're guesting on a ton of shows. So for if, if I'm being honest, the show becomes an afterthought for the guest who's on like 10 shows in a day. So as the host, one thing that you can do to differentiate yourself, you don't have to do a pre-call with them necessarily because a lot of them, you'll actually annoy a lot of the people who are doing a lot of shows to do pre-calls. If, if they're getting, it's, it's different if they're getting started. If they're getting started, you can do right. pre-calls with them to vet them. But if they're a lot more professional, you definitely don't want to waste their time. Skip the pre-call. Absolutely. But there's a way for you to instigate the pre-call without doing it, which is you send them a, an email that just or a text wherever you got the relationship with them. And you just ask them this question. How do I make this the best interview you've ever done in your life? Mm. Out of my 500 appearances, I've only been asked that question probably three times three or four times. So what this does is really important because it's not about the show. As Lewis says so well, the pre-show is the show. So what happens is when somebody asks me this question, Kelly, I'm conditioning my mind to prioritize that episode that day. So let's say, for example, I got, I don't know, six interviews today and somebody asked me that question last week. I know that's the podcast that they're going to take me really seriously. They've done a lot of homework. And as the guest, I want to make sure I deliver more value to them. So I'll actually block off 30 minutes 
before and after so I can focus on that show. So you're conditioning the mind of the guest to say, hey, I'm actually worth my salt. I've done a lot of homework on you. So take me seriously. So that's a tip. And then another one is don't send forms. My goodness, the forms I've had to fill up. What's your Instagram handle? What's your link to? It annoys me so much, even if I can get an assistant to do it, because my mindset is, my God, if you can't find that information about me, this interview is going to be so bad. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That is really interesting to hear Yeah. because I recommend to my students and clients that they do that to onboard guests because it takes a lot of time to get those things. Now, I also recommend to people when proposing themselves as a guest that they send all of that right away because I can't tell you how many guests approach me. They don't even send me their business. Okay, they'll, they'll give me their business name. They don't give me a link to their website. They don't give me social media handles. They don't tell me the name of my podcast. They'll just say, love your show or love the work you do. I have two podcasts and a third one that I'm the co-host of. Well, which one are you talking about? Right. So now this is what's fun about a podcast, Kelly, because now we can get into the nuance because you're not wrong and I'm not wrong either. Yeah. We're both right, but in different ways. Let me explain. Yeah. So it's a very different conversation if it's outbound versus inbound. Mm -hmm. So if you're an outbound, so let's say I'm a guest and, and hosts do own most of the stages. So it, it will mostly be an outbound effort, especially if you're getting started. If you're outbound, you don't complain. So if they send you a forum, you fill out the forms, you do all the links, and you make it as easy as possible for the host to say yes. Totally agree with you on that. So if somebody's outbounding you and saying, I want to be on your show, Kellen, you say yes, totally send them a form because you're the VIP tactically. Oh, yeah. When right. I invite someone, I never have them do a form. Ah, see, yes. now we're getting into the fun yes. nuance. When here. I invite, I do all the work. When someone approaches me, I send them the form. Exactly. And okay. I completely agree with that rationale as well. So if you're inbound, now it's a different conversation. So let's say you're trying to get like Bob Berg on your show, like the author of The Go-Giver, right? Like never have him do a form. Right? It's like the guy is like in his 60s, 70s. Yeah, yeah. He's a sister too, but he has so I many requests. You do yeah. everything, right? Yeah. You, you make it a white glove service. Yes. But the, the point of view I want to drive here, Kelly, is – if we want to be a top-rated show, what is should our majority of our guests come from? And the answer, unfortunately, is us in inbounding for the top people in the industry yeah. to get to outbound. Excuse me, to get them on our show because we want we want every week to be Gary V, then Bob. Or, sure, ten percent of them might be like the best kept secrets in the industry. I'm a good example of that because I'm not well known yet, but. The other ninety percent. Oh, thanks. I appreciate. It. But the the other ninety percent. I tell myself that's why I keep forcing myself to get on shows and do things. But the other ninety percent is going. Okay, let me try and reach out to those people. So yes, given that frame, I'm, I'm definitely a big hater of forums. It always annoys me. I always know that the person who's interviewing me is not going to be a not going to be a good one. Totally understandable. Yeah, if you are inviting someone on your show, never send a form. Absolutely. And we can go into the guest side too, if you want, Kelly, as well. Sure, that would be there. great. Yeah, let, let's combine this. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. So so we don't have to do this a third time. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. So so let's get into the, the host side. So I would say one other piece that a host can do better 
is giving the guest a very specific compliment prior to the show. So I'll give you an example. I still remember the compliment Billy gave me. He was more of an introduction from a friend, so we did have a pre-call. This is when I was just getting started, guesting on shows. And he, and he told me, I really, really love what you're doing, Brendan. Because when I was a professor at UC Berkeley, communication was such an important topic, but only those students have access. But you're democratized. I'm so excited to introduce you. This is going to be amazing. So what happened when he shared me, this is when I was getting started in my journey. I literally canceled all of my calls that day, except for that one thing, just so I could focus in. That's why it was one of my best appearances of all time, because I wanted to make it one of the best ones. So conditioning the guest and showing genuine specific excitement for having them on the show even if you can't do a pre-call with them goes a long way one other thing as well this is not necessarily applicable across the board but i think it really does recondition the mind of the guest and tom billy from impact theory does this so well which is do crazy introductions or context setting for the guests to blow their mind mm -hmm. or so there's two ways of approaching this or ask a very deep nuanced conversation about who they are right from the gate so I'll give you an example. So when Tom Bilyeu introduced Gary Vaynerchuk on that episode, which I highly recommend everyone listen to, it's such a great example of what a 10 out of 10 host does. Because some hosts record their intro separately, which you could totally do as well. So what he did is the intro was so specific, Gary Vee was literally there like shocked. And he was like, okay, wow, this, in this interview is going to be good. That's one way of approaching it. The other way of approaching it is asking a really deep, specific question to start the conversation. A lot of hosts, what they do, based on the intention, they'll say something like this. Uh, so tell me your story. Like, give us a little bit of background about you. So that's kind of like a level one question. There's not a lot of details. Versus asking, let's say I asked a question back to myself. It would probably sound something like this. I, I know from the ages of 19 to 22, Brendan, you were really focused on case competitions and learning how to speak in that era. Who was your favorite student in that journey and why? As an example. So that's an example of a right? It's like a level two or three question. So what you're doing is you're indirectly telling the guests, I know your story better than you do. Guy Raz does this well too, and uh, I built this. And then he asks a very specific nuanced question in the follow-up. And then he goes back to the general context. And I think that really impresses the guest and makes them want to share information that they don't share in any other show. So it's just about saying, like, what are some of the little things that I can do differently? And the reason for these is, is the reason, Kelly, is because a lot of podcast hosts feel the same. Mm -hmm. Because it's always the same questions. It's always the same script. It's always, so how can we change that? Mm -hmm. Which brings us to the next piece, right? Which is around themes. What is a unique theme that you can introduce in your show that helps you differentiate yourself? I'll give you an example from Lewis's show, which is called The Three Truths. So he asks this question to every guest, which is framed in this context. Let's say it's the last day of your life and you've accomplished everything that you wanted to do in your life. Every book you wanted to write, all the money you've ever made, best family, life, health. But everything that you've done, said or written, unfortunately gets erased from history and we don't have it. We don't know why. But you get a piece of paper where you can share only three lessons you learned to be true about life, and that is the only piece of paper that we have to remember you by. What would you write on that piece of paper? Wow. 
And I love that question because you get the an answer that you cannot like. Let's say an A list celebrity guest on that show, you can't get that answer from another show. So you have to listen to Lewis's podcast to get that insight. So that's another key is introducing a theme. Yeah, with coming up with different topics, you know that you're not going to find like a, a general theme to the interview. I do try to do that. Like I will go look at other interviews that my guests do. And I don't want the same title that I see with other podcasts because I'll see that too often. Like the guests appears on multiple shows and they have the same title for all the shows or, you know, too similar. And why is anyone going to listen to them on my show if it has the same title or even too similar a topic? It's hard to get away from the same topic when they're an expert in that field, but try to switch it up a little bit. If, if they're an expert on content marketing, of course, that's what they're going to talk about on your show, but try to find a niche within that. No, you're absolutely right. Which brings us to the other side of the equation, which is the podcast guest. And I got a lot of tips there. Yeah. So let me start with the first one, which is what is the definition of value? So when we think about the definition of value, Kelly, Chris Doe says it best, it's all about the following. Tell me something I don't already know. Mm -hmm. That's what value means. So the first step in being an exceptional podcast guest or host, because even as a host, you have to guest on a ton of shows to grow your show. The first piece is really taking the time to study other people who are talking the same book as you. So that means you listen to podcasts of other communication experts, in my case, right, marketing experts in other people's cases, and you're paying attention to the answers that they're delivering for the same set of questions. Because everyone's going to be asked a very similar set of questions right. if you're within a field of expertise. But the next step, how you really level up as a guest, is going – how do I answer the same question in a way that nobody else is answering it? And that's actually why I realized I had legs for Master Talk to begin with, because I'm a voracious podcast listener. I listen to eight to 10 hours a week of different podcasts. And what happened in my early days, the reason why I thought I knew more than the PhDs in communication who were getting on all the big shows was simply because I just had ideas that they didn't have. Mm -hmm. So they were saying things about communication in my head. I was like, oh, well, that's wrong because you, that doesn't work when I was coaching that 17-year-old last week. So there's so many gaps of knowledge that I realized I had ideas worth sharing. That's how it works. So the, what you want to do as a podcast guest even if you haven't guessed on a lot of shows, is make a list of all the questions that people are asking a similar type of host or guest and write them down and every single day, write the full answer to each question every day. That's what I did when I got started. How do you overcome your fear of communication? What's your tips for introverts? How do you become a better podcast host? How do you become a better podcast guest? Uh, what, how do you expand your vision with communication? I just did that every day until I had an answer for everything. So I became the de facto guest in this industry. I still have a lot more ways to go to get to Dale Carnegie as an example, but, but definitely differentiated myself in that way. And that's something that you suggested in our interview at the Marketing Chat Podcast was to become a top 1% communicator, write down a question and your full answer every single day for a year 
just come up with things that you're normally asked. Think, think of anything within your area of expertise, write down a question a day and the full answer for a full year. And I love that. And then you'll be ready. You said that one of the things that started it off for you was you were asked once, why are people afraid of public speaking? And you didn't have an answer. Yeah, I said like Seattle or something. I didn't yeah. know. Yeah. I don't know where the fear comes from. It's, and, yeah. and great memory. And now the, the nuance, Kelly, becomes we can use that exact same exercise, but now for a different context. Yeah. So before it was around in the business, strategy calls, answering questions from clients or just in general. But that same example now can filter into podcast guesting. So let's say I get asked a question that I don't know the answer to, which is very rare. Like this morning, I got asked a, a cool question that I don't get often. What's a common misconception about public speaking? I actually had to think about it. I was like, huh, I got, I, it's rare that I get stopped. I was like, huh, I need to think about this. But what happens now is I have the, the question that I need to practice on. So now I, in the back of my mind, I, if I were to re-answer that question, how would I do it differently? Which brings me to my last tip. So it's really just about doing the things that most people aren't willing to do, right? Kelly, that's yeah. really the point, yeah. which is at the beginning of my appearances, when I was getting started, now it's impossible. When I started, I re-listened to my, my past episodes of me talking and I listen to it and I go, this is terrible. And I'm very critical. I was like, oh, this is bad. This is not enough value. This is not actually tangible. I'm doing that in real time as I'm talking to you. Cause I'm going, oh, like uh, I could probably talk about the guests too, but I didn't think about that prior to being on the show. It's just always about how do we maximize the value for the people listening? That's great. One more little question, practical perspective from you as a guest do you like it or appreciate it when a host sends you an outline like I do? Hmm, that's a great question. I'll be honest in the sense that I think it's a plus in general because the top guests in any industry probably won't take the time to read the outline because they're a lot more, they're like uh, what I call mind Jedis. Right. So they'll just go in and they'll say, just ask me anything and they'll just run with it. Right. But there's other people where it's actually requirement, like some some A-listers have have very strong publicists and PR teams, and they actually fat check everything you ask it, which is kind of annoying. I don't have that because I don't like that style, mm -hmm. so I don't have people like that around me, because I just like riffing. But but the other side is definitely. But one thing I will say is when you find a rare gem guest, a rare gem guest is someone who's really really knowledgeable, but doesn't really guest on shows because they don't focus on it. Let's say their business is already doing five seven million dollars a year or something, they don't care. They'll only guest if you like ask them and they go, oh look, I don't have a mic. Those types of people, sending an outline is actually really really helpful. So I don't see it as a detriment. I think an easy way to think about this, you already have a process in place. So feel free to just keep using that. But for somebody who's getting started, you could just ask the question back to the guest. Would an outline be useful to you? And then the person could just, like for me, if you had sent me that, I'd have been like, oh, don't even worry about it, Kelly. Just ask me anything. Whereas somebody else might go, you know what, Kelly? An outline would be really helpful if you could send that over. That'd be great. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. True. And, and I think that's the bottom line. If it doesn't hurt, then you may as well send it. You know, I think it shows that at least the host is prepared and I like to let my guests know, look, I, I mean, we're going to ask other questions. You know, I haven't stuck to my outline at all. So, <laughs> yeah. so one main or one big closing 
tip, like a bottom line thing to be an awesome podcast host? I would say for me, Kelly, it goes back to this quote, which is if we communicate 20% better than our competition, we will stand out 100% of the time. How does this apply to podcast hosts? Even if I'm not one, this is what I would do. If I Because if I do have a podcast, I'd probably do like a solo show where I just teach things in my brain. But let's say I did an interview style show. This is how I would structure it personally. One, I would do an episode only once a week so that I can put more hours into each individual episode. So that means I only need 52 slots a year. That's the first thing I would do. The second thing I would do is book out my guests years in advance. So I would make a list of my dream, like dream guests, like people I'd be like, oh my God, like that person's coming on my show. And I would have a thousand people on that list. And I would get a VA to reach out to all of those thousand people. So if only one or 2% of those people say yes, you're getting 20 A-listers right off the bat. That's the second thing I would do. And the third thing I would do is I would study each of those 52 spots like my life depended on it. I'll tell you why. The reason is because, because it's important to state the obvious, is the best podcast guests know the best podcast guests, generally speaking. So if you get Pat Flynn on your show and you blow his top and you go, hey, could I get introductions to ABC Influencer? They're going to say yes, or at least maybe, but they definitely won't say no. But if you kind of give them an average experience, they'll say, yeah, just email me, but they won't do it because they don't want to open the Rolodex to someone who's kind of average. Right. So that's the thing for me. I only make intros to my A list, the A list. I mean, the people that I know really well that people want on their shows, probably to like 10 podcasts out of the 500, because I want them to have a great experience. So if we focus on those three key ideas, you'll you'll have the best guests and you won't need to even take any outbound requests. Mm, that's awesome. Love those tips. Thank you so much. And I'm so glad you shared that quote. I was going to ask you about it if you hadn't shared it. Of course. Yep. Say it again, please. Of course. So if you communicate 20% better than your competition, you'll stand out 100% of the time. So what does that mean? What that means is just going the extra mile. I'm shocked that so many people reach out to me saying they want to be a better podcast guest. And I just ask them the simple question. Have you re-listened to the episode that you were on last time? And they all go, no. It's like, so what do you want me to do? Right? So when you rewrite those questions, like not, not to beat a dead horse here, but let's say the Entrepreneurs on Fire episode. That episode I listened to 10 times, literally, 10 times. And I was like, oh, I didn't do this well, I didn't do this well, I could have done this better. Because now I'm starting to get into the bigger echelons of the industry. So I want to make sure I'm prep. But even now I still have that mentality. I don't sit on my rolls and go, yeah, I'm the best, I've guessed all these people. Like, no, I still go like, yeah, I'm a beginner, I suck, I need to keep getting better. And that mindset is what will continue allowing me to give that 10, that 20% that will help us differentiate ourselves. But the gift and that opportunity is available for all of us, Kelly, because thankfully for us, most people in all podcast guesting, unfortunately, aren't that great of a guest right. if you're really comparing them to the best in class in that industry. So it's really easy to catch up. Absolutely. And guests have to get over the thing of, oh, I hate how I sound. Yeah. Just get over it. Listen yeah. to yourself. And the more you listen to yourself, the more okay you become with it. And in fact, the more you begin to like listening to yourself. So just do it. Just do it. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Brendan. So how can people find you and work with you? 
Of course. Oh, and one other tip I'll, I'll give as a bonus as well, Kelly, that I forgot to mention. One thing I've done as well in my structure that nobody in the industry does is I prioritize the knowledge I share on podcasts. Whereas a lot of people, what they do is they just directly answer questions that the hosts ask them. Whereas my perspective is out of the plethora of knowledge I have, what are the five to 10 insights that I feel gets results in five minutes? So writing those insights down in your field will help you know what to proactively come up with and communicate on the show. So just a quick pointer. So for me, that's the random word exercise, question drills, video messages, the 20% to 100% model, and doing that consistency. But notice how I know them off the top of my head. So I know what to apply. So in terms of keeping in touch, two ways to keep in touch. The first one is the YouTube channel. Just go to Master Talk to have access to hundreds of free videos on how to speak. And the second one is to attend one of my free communication trainings. If you want to see me apply a lot of these tips in live on a Zoom call, just go to rockstarcommunicator.com and register for the next one. I have done that and it was fabulous. I Love highly that. recommend doing that. And of course, subscribing to your YouTube channel. Just excellent. Love it so much. You really give amazing information and you are so generous in what you share, Brendan. I love it. Thanks so much, Kelly. Always a pleasure and a blessing to be with you. Oh, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast Launchpad. Be sure to follow so you don't miss a single episode. And if you have any comments or questions, feel free to email or send me a DM on Instagram. Follow the links in the show notes. I really appreciate you for being here. See you next time on the podcast Launchpad.